This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. everybody for coming out. I know today's a technically an off day for coming over campus and traffic and all the things, but appreciate you being here. Excited to have the commissioner and Jen um, take a couple minutes with you, but I want to welcome Commissioner George, and uh, it's really been awesome to have him on campus the last few days, um, and being with student athletes, staff, coaches, and we'll be at the game more obviously tomorrow night, but this is the 11th stop for him on his tour of the, of the schools, and every one of them he's asked the athletic director to join, he's done media availability, so Jen is here with him as well. I'm excited to have a chance to talk about you know, the future of the league, college football playoff, national landscape, all the things going on. So I'll turn it over to you, and then when they're done, I just, if you guys had a couple minutes, I want to talk on background, just our operational plan for tomorrow with the vaccine verification going into effect for the obviously the first time, but if you had questions, obviously you guys are um, awesome, you know, mediums for us to get out to our fans, so I want to make sure everyone feels buttoned up and more enjoy and if you have questions, I'm happy to answer. So with that, I will uh, turn it over to all of you for, for questions. 11th stop. 11th out of the 12 schools on a listening tour, yes. I know when you take a job, you think you know what it is, but now after 11 stops, what are some things that you're seeing that go, yeah, we need to address that like now? But I'll start by saying the uh, takeaways from all of the stops have been um, the pride that everyone has in being part of the Pac-12. That, that's been like kind of the big takeaway. Uh, and the other piece is that um, I've just been really, really impressed by the student athletes. I think mean, knowing the schools that we have in the Pac-12, I came into it knowing that they'd be impressive, and I end up finding myself in these rooms with student athletes trying to figure out which of them I'm going to end up working for. Um, <laughs> I, I think there's not been, um, you know, kind of big headlines on things that I uh, didn't know were issues. I think it's reinforced the um, things that I thought were issues that we need to address. Um, Pac-12 networks distribution, a couple of other issues that I kind of knew were out there. And it's reinforced those. George, you, you have a history with UW, correct? Did you live here for a while? Yeah, I, I lived in Seattle for 10 years, starting in 1995. I was a season ticket holder to basketball, and I shared tickets to football. Uh, I love all my children equally, <laughs> but, uh, but this is the only place where I've actually been a uh, paying uh, kind of member of the uh, you know, supporters of the athletic department previously. And having gone through that time and been a ticket holder here, what's your sense of what UW athletics, I guess, means to the area and, and just the, and also means to the conference, I suppose? Well, it's, a, it's an incredibly important member of the conference. Uh, I think Seattle, as you know, is um, you know one of our major media markets in the conference. We have five of the top 20 media markets in the country, and being in this market is very important to us. And obviously the long history that UW has with the Pac-8 and the Pac-10 and the Pac-12 um, you know, we, we have a long, long history that I'm very proud of. Um, 
you know, I, I think the thing that is different about UW today than when I was here is the facilities are quite different. It's been very, very impressive what's been built uh, since I was here in the late 90s and the early aughts. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience here in Oslo, please? Yeah, so uh, I've spent a couple of days meeting with uh, almost everybody in the athletic department uh, at every level, including an all-staff meeting, which I had the opportunity to present at. Uh, I also have spent time with almost all of the coaches and hope to get to the ones I haven't met yet uh, before the end of my tour. And most importantly, I spent time with the student-athletes, kind of getting their feedback and uh, listening to their questions. and. Again, incredibly impressed with our student athletes across the Pac-12, but how thoughtful and deliberate they are. They ask the best questions, and candidly, they're the ones that um, don't sugarcoat the questions. So the toughest questions come from the student athletes. You currently have the basketball tournament in Las Vegas. You're really well connected in Vegas. They've got the new stadium there. Like I said, you're well connected. You know, there's been talk that Vegas might be a place to move the headquarters. How does Las Vegas fit into what you see the future of this conference as it is right now, or do you see building a bigger relationship there? I, I do. Uh, fortunately, in my previous job at MGM Resorts, I, I ran the buildings where uh, the men's and women's basketball tournaments are and negotiated those deals with the Pac-12. Uh, I was also part of the team that brought the football championship game to Allegiant Stadium out of Levi Stadium. Uh, and was very happy when we did that when I was on the other side of the table and now even happier that we did that uh, as being part of the Pac-12. I, I do think that um, Vegas is a unique market and benefits from having large-scale events uh, in town. It attracts a lot of people and I think we'll have more events in Vegas over time. At the same time, we have uh, within our footprint lots of other great facilities that want to be associated with the Pac-12. Uh, you know, we get called all the time about bringing other events to other places within our footprint. And a great example of that is two weeks ago announcing the new baseball tournament and doing that in Scottsdale. Um, and I know Scottsdale is very happy to have us there and we're happy to be there for the baseball tournament. So we'll continue to look at uh, kind of all opportunities to create more events. Uh, but I'd be surprised if Vegas didn't end up with more of our uh, championships and events. And just to follow up on that, you know, just with the, you know, there's been talk about Vegas being a good place to have the headquarters. The, the lease for the Pac-12 headquarters in San Francisco has been kind of a sticking point with a lot of people. Do you anticipate staying in that building, relocating, if staying in that area, possibly going to Los Angeles? Yeah, we, we have two years left on our lease with a one-year option, our option, um, to coincide with the end of our uh, current media rights deals. Um, so over the next two to three years, we'll be evaluating where we put the headquarters and, and how we think about how we structure where the networks are. Um, what I would say is, um, it's a very expensive lease. It's in one of the most expensive zip codes in the country. Uh, we pay a lot of money for that lease that I would much rather be sending to the schools for them to use to support student athletes. So don't know where the headquarters ends up, but I can tell you we will be paying a lot less in rental than we pay today. On the subject of uh, CFP expansion, I know the commissioners just had a meeting on Wednesday, I believe. And Coming out of that, do you feel like you guys are headed towards a proposal next week, or where do you think things kind of stand as you're going towards that? Yeah, so there, you know, there are 11 people that have a vote uh, on, on the board. It's the presidents and chancellors of um, one each of the uh, FBS conferences and Notre Dame. 
and they are advised by a board of managers, which is the 10 conference commissioners and the athletic director of Notre Dame. And what I would say is that all 22, as far as I know, certainly all 11 that were in the room earlier this week, uh, the, the commissioners and the athletic director of Notre Dame, all want to expand college football. We're all committed to do it, and we all want to do it sooner rather than later. Um, the issue is that the current proposal, the 12-team proposal, still has at the margins um, some um, parts of that proposal that are not great for everybody and that need uh, a relook. And again, that proposal was done over a two-year period by a group of four people out of the 11, and it has a lot of great things in it, but there are some issues. And you know, I think we did a disservice to our fans by announcing that before it had been vetted by all 11, as opposed to just four, um, in setting expectations about how quickly we could um, get to expansion. It's everyone's hope that we get to expansion before the end of the current media term, uh, but that will require some more work, and that's what we agreed to do when we met earlier this week in Dallas. We're meeting again in Chicago on Tuesday. Um, and. The, the idea is to spend the time together getting through those incremental issues. When, when you say that there are issues involved there, what do you see as being the incremental issues that are kind of holding that back? Yeah, so there are issues related to media rights, but I think we've worked through most of those. Um, there are issues related to the bowl games, that, and particularly the Rose Bowl, that still need some work. And with respect to the 12-team proposal that includes having four home games in the second week of December, there are some player health issues, some academic issues, and I would say some logistical issues about um, home games, particularly in cold weather territories, that we have to work through. And I look at those and I don't think any of those are insurmountable, particularly when you have uh, 11 groups that are dedicated to finding an answer. It just requires a little more time. A lot of constituents that have to sign off on this before we all agree to it. We know that you're you know, in favor of expansion. You've stated that very clearly. There seems to be somewhat of a divide between a 12-team playoff and an 18-team playoff. Do you have a preference at this point? There are, uh, there are benefits and drawbacks to both, and um, we talked about that earlier this week at the CFP meeting. We'll talk about it again on Tuesday. Uh, I'm actively in conversations with our athletic directors and our football coaches about uh, between those two scenarios where we fall. I think there are solutions that would work for both. Um, the, you know. Regarding the uh, CFP expiration of their contra uh, media contracts and the Pac-12 Network's expiration of media contracts, how do you see, what's the best opportunity for the Pac-12 in terms of the timing of the expansion of the playoffs regarding the expiration of media contracts? I, I don't connect those two. For me, those are two independent um, explorations, I think. Um, you know, expanding the college football playoffs sooner rather than later is good for us. We need more access. I want more of our teams in the playoffs. And at the same time, uh, you know, coming up on three years from now, we have a great opportunity to renegotiate all of our media rights. You know, we, we are a conference that owns 100% of our media rights. And that's unique. It's because of the way that the network was structured without an equity partner, the way some of the other Power Five conferences have structured their current network deals. So it gives us maximum flexibility, but until we get to that flexibility, we're, we're in the current kind of construct of distribution, and we have some issues there. Uh, we don't have the distribution I want. The, uh, there was a, a lot of criticism about the Pac-12 networks doing the structure the way it was for the first uh, 10 or 11 years. 
do you see an advantage now with the, how much has changed in the media landscape over the last 10 years of being 100% owner of your rights? There's certainly an advantage. Uh, time will tell whether it will offset the damage that's been done to the conference as a result of the lack of distribution over the last uh, nine years. Commissioner, I'm wondering the media rights deal expiring in a few years and also just the fact that the Pac-12 hasn't had a team in the football playoff in quite a while. How long until fans should be assessing what like your fingerprints on the conference and what would you tell them in the meantime? Yeah, I don't think assessing my fingerprints are important. I don't think what I'm doing or not doing is important. I look at the performance of our teams and how the conference can help them. So I'm very focused uh, and it's one of the top priorities for the conference in doing everything we can at the conference level to help our schools get NCAA tournament bids for, for men's and women's basketball and to help our uh, football teams get CFP bids. And any decision I get to make at the conference level, I will make to accelerate those opportunities. And that's with the full buy-in of all 12 of the athletic directors. We sat together in Vegas before I started and had this conversation. We sat together again uh, in Los Angeles the day before Football Media Day in July, before I was publicly announcing that the conference is going to walk away from focusing on parity and start focusing on accelerating our best teams to get those invitations and bids. Uh, and I'm in line with all 12 of the athletic directors that that's the right thing to do for the conference. When you're looking at the rights deals, you know, one of the things that we're just in the infancy of is streaming. You know, there's a lot of talk of Amazon taking over the direct TV deal for the NFL, but we're so early in that process with the streaming. How big of a player will Amazon and Apple and Google and those companies be in? I mean, is, are they really going to be a competition for ESPN or, you know, how do you see that fitting into what you want to do? Yeah, so I've been working in streaming media in one respect or another since I worked in Seattle at Real Networks in the late 90s. So I don't think about streaming media as being in its infancy. I think about the way most young people consume media, and it's 100% streaming. I'm not sure why kids have watched linear television in the last couple of years. So I think it's more of a generational thing. And the way I think about it is there's a place for distributing our content on linear television. There's some of our content that probably belongs on digital platforms. And I think when we think about tier one, two, three, four of our media rights uh, over the next couple of years and we start negotiating those deals, I think we'll have multiple bidders from both sectors for all of our rights. Five years from now, Washington, Oregon game. Are most people going to watch it on ESPN or Amazon? Depends on who I sell the rights to. <laughs> George, uh, did, did the Pac-12 instigate the alliance? No, the alliance was an agreement among three conferences um, that were aligned in how we think about college athletics. All 41 institutions, the presidents and chancellors of those institutions, and all three conference commissioners are, are deeply aligned in our belief that athletics is part of a very broad kind of student experience, and that our student athletes should be students first and athletes second that it's important to protect the collegiate model. And that was an agreement we came to among the three commissioners and then uh, socialized with the 41 presidents and chancellors and everyone agreed to it. It wasn't an instigator. But didn't somebody have to start and make a first phone call? Yeah, we're not going to talk about who did that. <laughs> Would he be in this room? We're not going to talk about it. <laughs> George, with, with the next iteration of the playoff, um, do you feel like it's best for college football for the media rights to go to the open market with you know ESPN obviously having control right now? Where do you sort of stand on that? 
Yeah, going to the open market is um, kind of no, nomenclature. I, I, I don't, I don't really understand. What what I understand is um, having multiple distributors own pieces of our playoffs and championships, and I think it's in the best interest of any sports league to not have a single distributor for your championships and playoffs. Um, so, however we get there, if you call it going to the open market, if, if you call it you know having you know, the, the rights end and then having individual conversations with different media distributors, um, that, that doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is it's in the best interest of college athletics if there are multiple owners of football playoffs and championships. How do you feel about uh, ESPN being the power behind the throne in college football or college sports in general in terms of it, uh, it's bigfooting uh, a lot of the relationships between conferences? Well, I'm not going to agree with any of those premises. <laughs> but what I, what I can tell you is that for eight years when I worked at Hertz Corporation, part of my responsibility was overseeing a 20% investment stake in ESPN. And I have uh, lots of really good friends who run and work at ESPN. Uh, I, I think they're a great organization. They do a great service to college athletics by promoting our sports. Um, they're a great distribution partner, and we will continue to have them as a partner going forward. At the same time, I think there's value for college athletics to having multiple folks invested in our postseasons, and as a result of the investment in the postseasons, having um, the incentive to invest in our regular seasons as well. So you don't see uh, a real damage coming from ESPN's uh, influence? No. Sure. You said you've been speaking with lots of athletes over the past couple of weeks or months. I mean, what have you been hearing from them, like their frustrations or things that they're hoping for? I haven't heard a lot of frustrations. I've heard a lot of good opinions about things that uh, we could be doing to support them. Um, I think those are private conversations. I'm not going to share with you what they've suggested, but we've taken those suggestions seriously. I think what's really important to understand about the relationship between the Pac-12 and our student-athletes is the Pac-12 has a long history of being both the thought leader and the action leader in taking care of student-athletes. We go first and we go deeper in protecting student-athletes. We do that in mental and physical health. We do that in leadership training. We do that in career development. Uh, we were the first conference to include student-athletes in our governance structure. I'm very, very proud of that history. Um, it extends also to um, social justice, gender equity. Um, we're, we're just at the forefront of all of those and historically have been for decades. And I'm gonna do everything I can at the conference office to perpetuate that leadership position in taking care of student athletes. I told the student athletes that, they understand that. They had some really interesting ways that they felt we could help them. Um, and every one of those suggestions is being taken seriously. Is that really kind of what I excited you about this job too, is the fact that there's that history there? It, it was part of what excited me about the Pac-12. I will tell you that the reason why I took the job is because of the mission um, of what we're doing. Uh, at my previous job, my, you know, my mission was to entertain the human race. That's the MGM Resort's mission. And I thought we did a pretty good job of that. Um, and that's impactful, but not in the same way that our mission at the Pac-12 is. Our mission at the Pac-12 is um, if I do my job really well, it protects and creates more scholarships. And kids that uh, otherwise would not have been at one of our 12 fine institutions get an opportunity to have a paid education. Um, and I can't think of anything more important as a mission than that. With all the ADs you've talked to, players, coaches, 
Can you talk a little bit about the feedback you've gotten on NIL and what impact it's having on what's going on at the schools, the conference, and maybe compared to the behemoth that known as the SEC? Yeah, so uh, again, don't agree with your premise, but, um, <laughs> but what I would say is uh, that I think about NIL two ways. One is uh, really, really important for us to get federal legislation so we have an equal playing field across the country and so that um, different schools or different states aren't treating NIL differently based on state-by-state -state law, and we're working on that, and we're excited to be working on that. Um, the, the other thing I think about NIL is <clears throat> long-term, the Pac-12 should actually benefit more from NIL than any other conference. Uh, we have, uh, you know, the only Power Five conferences today with um, schools in the Mountain and Pacific time zones. BYU eventually will change that, but today that's, that's the case. We sit in five of the top 20 DMAs in the country. Um, we, we have uh, alumni <coughs> who have started and run some of the biggest and most important companies in the world. And I think we have to do a better job as a conference and working with our schools to take advantage of NIL and to tell the story about why students who come to the Pac-12 um, will benefit from NIL. And again, we're not going to use NIL for inducement to go to a particular school, and we don't support the use of NIL as pay for play, but within the construct of what we think is the appropriate uses of NIL, I think we are positioned to benefit more from NIL than any other conference. George, in the, in the CFP expansion talks, how much of a sticking point is the Rose Bowl situation in terms of obviously its, its rights and its dates and wanting to maintain that? Where, did, where does that kind of fall in the yeah, discussion? There are two issues related to the Rose Bowl as part of CFP. One is um, the ability to continue the century-long tradition of playing in the same time period that obviously is part of the Rose Bowl is associated with the um, parade and the other festivities that go on as part of the Tournament of Roses uh, kind of day in Pasadena. And we think that's a really important tradition and we, we support the tradition of college athletics and we'll continue to support the Rose Bowl in their endeavor to stay in that time period. Um, the, the other piece of it is related to the media rights for the Rose Bowl and who owns those rights. And again, I think we did a disservice by kind of starting to talk about the 12-team proposal without having discussed it internally. I think that's a discussion that's better held among the 11 folks on the CFP um, management board, and uh, we'll work through that through that board and figure out a solution. George, college basketball used to be kind of one-sided. UCLA used to win the title almost every year for a decade or a decade and a half, and I think they fixed that by expanding and giving more people an opportunity. Football has actually moved in that direction now too, where there's like just a a handful of teams that have an opportunity to win that title or have won the title in the last decade or so. Is that a, what, what can be done about that to, to, to make college football a little more competitive, wide-ranging? Yeah, I, I think the CFP structure the way it is today is broken. I think the idea that only 3% of your student-athletes in a sport get to participate in a championship playoff um, doesn't make any sense to me. In every other sport we have, it's somewhere between 18 to 25 percent of the teams or athletes get to uh, compete for a championship. In football, it's 3 percent, and that's broken, and the worst part about it is it's self-perpetuating, right? If, if you're one of the four teams that get an invitation the first round, 
you know, the first time they're given out for CFPs, it makes it easier to recruit the top talent, which means you get back into it. And the math is the math. 20 of the 28 CFP invitations have gone to four schools. <coughs> I don't know any way you look at that and go, that's not a broken system. Uh, so the fix for that is expansion. Commissioner, a couple more. I'm wondering what you thought, or what the opportunity was to start that baseball tournament that you guys are planning on giving this year. And is that something that you have in mind for other sports as well? Absolutely. It does two things for us. The first thing it does is it creates new media rights uh, that we get to sell and allows our student athletes to participate in another event, you know, kind of extend their collegiate career, have more games. <clears throat> the other thing it does is I think it positions us very well for the week after that when the NCAA tournament bids are coming out. It, it allows us to highlight our teams and showcase our teams in a way that hopefully the folks who are deciding who gets invited to the College World Series um, get to look at. And I think that that's a model which makes sense for a lot of our sports that today don't have um, postseason Pac-12 championships, and we're looking at all of them. Um, at some point, someone has to ask Jan a question. <laughs> I was just going to expand. I'm on the NCAA Baseball Committee, Selection Committee, and so this decision is so important. Um, the exposure and the attention that these teams need to get when you're on the East Coast and you're making these decisions is paramount to the future of our Olympic sports, and I hope to, I think we're thinking about that with softball and other sports as well. So. Absolutely. What do the student-athletes think of the decision to do? I think they're super excited. Every baseball player I've talked to is like, overdue, we should have done this years ago. So I'm really happy that we're doing it. Jen, just what, what has the collaboration been like with George since he's started and also in the last couple of days of him having him on campus and talking to student-athletes and coaches and everything yeah, like that? Yeah, I mean, obviously you're getting to, to see him and hear from him and understand, like, this is a guy with incredible experience, and uh, but is also transparent and collaborative. And the ADs have been on board with basically every idea and concept that he's proposed to us because he really cares passionately about all 12 schools and our students and our success. And so when we're all committed to the same things, it's pretty easy to, to rally together. Um, he's been awesome here. Um, our coaches, our student athletes, our staff. I mean, I can't tell you how many texts and calls I've had over the last, you met with donors too, um, over the last, you know, 24 hours about his willingness to listen, how smart he is and experienced he is, and most important, just how committed he is. You know, how much he cares about the things that we care about too. So it's been awesomeness. We couldn't have had his leadership come at, at a better time. You know, this entire, you know, landscape of college sports changing. We are coming out at a very difficult time. We're still in a pandemic. There's so many opportunities for our conference to get better and grow um, as a league and obviously at all of our schools, including Washington. And his leadership has been very refreshing. All good? One more. What has she pounded the table for since you've been here? What has she... <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's, no, there's no table pounding going on. I mean, we are working collaboratively. Uh, figuring out how to elevate all of our schools and the conference. And it's been a great collaborative effort. And Jen's been terrific to work with. And I look forward to many years of working with her. And, you know, we, uh, we, we got to experience Michigan together. And the next time we get to experience... We flew home with us after Michigan, so... The next time we get to experience one of those, uh, the flight home is going to be that much more fun. Celebratory. There we go.
George, just quickly, what do you remember which years you lived in this area and which years you were specifically a season ticket holder for? I, I was here in 95 to 2005, and I honestly can't remember what years I was a season ticket holder. Okay. Gotcha. I shared, shared tickets for football and had my own tickets for basketball. Who was the quarterback? <laughs> <laughs> Bad with stuff like that. Yeah. So you saw Brandon Roy and Nate Robinson? Sure. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.